May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning based on our gospel reading of this story of the widow's offering, or in the King James, the widow's might. And as I was uh, wrestling with this story this week, thinking about it, um, something interesting happened on, on the way to school, driving my kids to school. There's a radio station that we listen to that's doing a fundraiser. And a couple of things caught my attention about this. One is that the announcers kept coming back to the story of a little boy who gave $20 towards the fundraiser because he loved the radio station so much. He gave his little um, bit. Uh, it was money that he had received from Halloween from his grandparents. And although they also mentioned people who gave $1,000 or more, they kept talking about the little boy who gave us $20 because that's a compelling story, a little offering from a little person, and it's sweet and compelling. So I thought about that as uh, got ready to approach the story of the widow's might. The other thing that happened was that one of my kids, I, who shall remain anonymous, said, lately all this radio station does is talk about money, and she turned off the radio station. So I thought about that as we approach the story of the widow's might. You might be thinking, this is sweet and compelling, but uh-oh, the preacher's getting ready to talk about money. I hope you don't turn the station. I hope you listen to what uh, the Lord wants to teach us here. There's lessons here about giving in this story, and I want to talk about those lessons this morning. And the first uh, lesson, and I hope this is just simple and clear and practical, maybe even practical for some of you. Uh, the first lesson is that everyone matters to God and every contribution matters to God, no matter how small. If it's given in faith, in, in, uh, with a sincere heart uh, to God, it matters, it matters to him. This widow gave the two smallest, possible coins that she could give. These were the smallest coins in circulation at the time of Jesus of the smallest value. And if you have an ESV study Bible, you read the notes there and it says that what she gave was worth one one twenty-eighth of a day's wage. A day's wage in Jesus' time was a denarius. And, one, and what she gave was the value of one one twenty-eighth of that. So I did a little math. You'll have to take my word for it. I'm not really good at math, but you can double-check me on this if you want later. But uh, for somebody making, this is an analogy that's not going to be completely accurate, but maybe it gives us some perspective. Somebody today who's at the bottom of the economic scale, and certainly a widow would be at the bottom of the bottom, very vulnerable. Um, somebody at the bottom of the economic scale today makes minimum wage, and uh, one twenty-eighth of that uh, somebody making minimum wage for eight-hour days, about 45 cents. So she gave this really tiny amount of money. And she does this right after the big givers, the deep pockets, have put their money into the treasury. And probably some of you know that the, the treasury boxes in the temple, this was 
taking place in the court of women, one of the outer courts. And these treasury boxes weren't really boxes so much as they were kind of horn-shaped bronze receptacles. And there were 13 of them. And they, had, they were designated in terms of their giving. Some, if you put an uh, offering over here in this receptacle, it would say, you know, I don't know what it actually said, but some of them I think were designated, uh, for example, for the incense of the temple or for the wood of the temple. And then there was a receptacle or a couple of them for free will offerings. And so as people came, you know, uh, they, they put their money in these bronze receptacles, and you could probably hear the money that was going in. If you were so inclined, you could probably discern by listening how much money was going into these receptacles. And here was this line of rich folks who were just pouring in. Maybe they're going from receptacle to receptacle. We don't know. Maybe there's a lot of clanging going on. Maybe it sounds like somebody hit the jackpot. And here's this poor widow. And the Greek word for, uh, for poor here has a connotation of somebody who is crouching down. They're so low. A beggar, somebody who crouches, who slinks down because of their low estate. And, and again, I'm reading into this, kind of trying to use some imagination here, that maybe she felt like kind of crouching down, slinking towards the offering receptacles after all these big donors had thrown their money in. It's loud, it's impressive. And here she comes with the two smallest coins in circulation. Clink, clink. And, and turns around and walks away. And Jesus calls his disciples to him and he says, come here guys, teachable moment. That woman just gave more than everybody else combined because she gave all that she had. And so the simple lesson here at the beginning, which should be an encouraging lesson to all of us, is that whatever we give to God in faith with a sincere heart, that, that's valuable and precious in God's eyes. Whatever offering we make to the Lord. And this extends beyond money, obviously. I mean, whatever we do in the service of Christ for him, when we make an offering of time or ministry, when we teach the kids, when we tend the sick, when we visit the sick in our congregation, when we reach out to those in love and in need when we pray for somebody. We take the time to do that. Whenever we make a sacrifice to God, no matter how small, we might think, well, I'm not really making a difference. But this story teaches us differently. God sees it and God honors it. And with this word of praise that Jesus gives to this woman and her gift, he enshrines her in dignity for generations. Whoever reads this story now, this woman is lifted up and given great dignity and worth because of the offering that she made. So everybody matters. Every contribution counts in God's eye. That's the, that's the encouraging um, lesson here. Whatever you can give, even if it's not a lot in monetary terms, it does matter to God, and it's precious in His sight. Now we come to some more challenging parts of this. Don't change the channel on me. <laughs> Stick with me. Don't start making your grocery list. The second principle is about proportional giving. Proportional giving. This, this story challenges, this, challenges us to think about giving in terms of proportionality. How much do I have and how much out of that, what portion that I have, am I giving to the Lord? Uh, because everything that I have really comes from the hands of God. So how much am I giving back? What portion am I says that this poor widow gave more than all the other contributors combined. 
And you can kind of imagine the disciples scratching their head and say, wait, what did you just say, Jesus? Now, what kind of math did they teach you in Nazareth? <laughs> Fuzzy math? No. He's talking about, of course, in terms of proportion. The Message Bible puts it like this, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. He says, Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that these poor, this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. Here's why. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. And literally, it's something like this, that she gave out of what she needed for her daily life, to sustain her daily life, her bios. That's the word that's being used here. And I don't know what these two little coins in Jesus' day would have been able to buy her, but they were set aside for her daily provision. Uh, I think that's what this means, and maybe she was going to get a piece of bread or a piece of fish. She's going into Jerusalem to present her offering, but something moved her to give both of them, not keep one for herself, but put both of them in. And she did that in trust and faith that God would provide. So it, it challenges us to think in terms of proportionality, doesn't it? Proportional giving. When we think about giving in the church, oftentimes people go to the tithe, 10% of our income needs to go to the Lord. That's a biblical standard. That's a principle that's derived from the Old Testament. But it's not a law that we're under. We're not under the law. We're under grace as New Testament believers. It's a, it's a, it's a good place to start and a good place to think about that. The first fruits of what we have, not the leftovers, but the first 10% needs to be set aside for the Lord. And it's perfectly legitimate for Christians to use that standard. But this story... Ask us to think about proportional giving. See, for some Christians, 10%, if they make a whole lot of money, may not pinch them that much, may not be that much of a sacrifice. Think of somebody who makes $500,000 a year. Lots of money. They give 10%, $50,000. That's a lot of money, too. <laughs> and anybody, any church leader would be happy to see somebody give $50,000 to the church. Believe me, I'm not speaking against that. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> there's still a lot left over that you can live comfortably on, quite comfortably on $450,000. Take a, the opposite extreme, somebody who makes $12,000. For them to give 10%, that's a tight squeeze. That's a big chunk of their expenses. And so this, this, this story, I think, lifts up a principle that we see in the New Testament that we ought to think proportionally about our giving. The Apostle Paul teaches this when he's trying to explain to the Corinthian church how they ought to give for the offering that he's collecting for the poor in Jerusalem. He wants them to think about the portion that they set aside for the work of the Lord. Um, so, for example, 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this, that the offering that is acceptable is according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Each person should give a portion of what they have. And he goes on and he says, this is just a matter of fairness. This is 2 Corinthians 8. Everybody should share the load and give a portion of what they are able to. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, here is Paul's um, direction regarding the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. He says this, 
This is 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So this is a practice in churches. This happened in Galatia. This is what I told the church of Galatia to do. This is what I'm telling you, Corinth, to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside. Set it aside, store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. I kind of like that last part. I don't want to do a lot of fundraising when I'm there. I want you guys to think about this ahead of time. Take a portion of your income. Set it aside. I don't want to put pressure on you. I just want you to give freely and generously and cheerfully to the work of the Lord. Those are some other principles that Paul talks about in his writings. But it's a matter of fairness that everyone contributes a portion of something to the work of God. In most churches, and I haven't done the math on this or looked into this to see if it's the case in this church, but I suspect that it is. In most churches, 20% of the people give 80% of the income. And that, of course, is understandable because those who have more can do more and they can, they can give more. They can give a higher percentage of the income and we certainly thank God for that. But there are those in the church who, who never really give much or anything to the work of the Lord because they think it's not really going to make a difference. You know, I'll let the, the big money givers go ahead and take care of that part. And I'm just going to hold back the little that I do have. Well, I understand that. I completely get that. Because when Josie and I were in graduate school, we didn't have a whole lot of money, which is kind of an understatement. There were times where we, had, we were literally pulling up the cushions of the couches looking for change. And uh, so times, times were tough, uh, and, and early on in our ministry, we, didn't, we kind of approached giving in a haphazard manner because we thought, well, we don't have anything to give, and it's not going to make much of a difference. Well, it's not as if God needs the money. It's as if it's, it's God wanting to teach us something in our giving. God wants us to participate and, 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 and learn some lessons about his faithfulness as we trust him in this area of our life. And so as we grew, and we still have a lot of room to grow in this matter of giving, but as we grew in that, and we began to set a portion of our little income to the work of the Lord, and began to do it systematically, not haphazardly, not, okay, well, I thought about it this Sunday, next Sunday maybe not, you know, it just kind of haphazard going through it, no saying, we're going to just be systematic about this, give a portion to the work of the Lord. As we did that, God did teach us some lessons, and we did see his faithfulness. And there were times where, literally, miracles happened of God's provision in our life. Down to the dollar of bills that needed to be paid uh, were, were paid in some ways in miraculous ways. I don't have time to talk about some of those stories. I could go into it, but we'll move on. It's just to make the point. God wants us all to have a part to give our portion to his work. And no matter how big or small, nobody can really dictate what that is. But we need to think about what has God given me and then am I giving a fair portion to his work? And then here's the next challenge, that our giving ought to be sacrificial. If we have great faith in God, to the extent that our faith in God is great, our giving is going to be sacrificial. And we certainly see that in this story of the widow. Sacrificial giving is a fruit of one of the fruits of genuine trust and faith in God. The widow here is standing in stark contrast to these scribes. 
because uh, their faith is not genuine. Their faith is hypocritical. Look at what Jesus says in verse 38. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in marketplaces. And they like to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast. Now, it's not so much that the problem was that they were receiving respectful greetings in the marketplaces or nice seats in the synagogues or at the, the parties in the homes. The problem is they liked it. The problem is that's what they were in it for. The problem is they got up in the morning and they put on their robes demarcating that they were members of the clergy. And they, as they put their robes on and went out to the marketplace, they wondered how many people were going to greet them with respectful titles. They, they were in it for that. And they liked to sit up front and have seats of honor. And they also, verse 40, devoured widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. It's no mistake that after Jesus says that, then he points out a widow as the symbol of genuine, humble faith versus these scribes who are the religious leaders of the day. Maybe this widow was poor partly because these charlatans had preyed on her. We don't know. And Jesus certainly condemns that as an indignant about that, but he points out that her faith is what should be emulated to the disciples. And then he says, they will receive the greater condemnation. But these scribes, they were in it for themselves. They were selfish. She was selfless. She was sacrificial. And so that's the contrast that we see here. And she acted out of great faith. Maybe as this widow went forward to give her last two pennies for the day, maybe she thought about the widow of Zarephath. Maybe she thought about how God had taken care of this widow in the Old Testament. It's a, a, another beautiful story. Turn there in the bulletin in, chapter, in, in page 7. It's a time of famine. And God sends Elijah to this woman who's in desperate need. God sends Elijah to this woman in desperate need. God sees our needs. God meets us at the point of our needs. God sends help when we're in desperate need. And she is in the city, or at, at the gate in the city, and she's just gathering a few sticks. Not, a, not logs for a roaring fly, fire, but just a couple of sticks, and she's going to have her last meal. And Elijah calls out to her and says, hey, could I have a little cup of water, a little, just a little bit of water that I, that I may drink? And she responds to that. She goes, okay, I'll get you some water. And then this stinger here in the tail. Oh, and by the way, a little bit of bread would be nice. She's only got a little cup of oil and a little flour in the jar, a handful of flour in the jar. But he says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and, and make a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of the flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, and until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and she did as Elijah said. Why? Because she had faith in the word of God. This great sacrifice demonstrates 
that she had great faith that what the prophet Elijah said was going to be fulfilled. And so she acted sacrificially based on faith. And now the point of the story of our widow in the gospel is the same. That she believed God would provide for her, so she was able to give everything that day. And I don't think this is a story where the application is, okay, go and do likewise. (laughs) Give everything away to the Lord. Liquidate all your assets. I don't think that's the point. Um, God has called people to do that in the past, and he can call people to do that today. But there are lots of good reasons why God wants his people to have wealth and to have assets and to use it for his glory. But the point of the story is this. Do we have the attitude of the widow? Are we sacrificially giving to God and his work? Or are we holding back? And if we're holding back, why is that the case? There's a story of a farmer who comes into the house and he says, Family, I've got great news. Our cow has had twin calves. And uh, one is red and one is white. And we're going to give one of these cows to the Lord. We're going to sell one and we're going to keep the proceeds to ourselves. But we're going to sell the other. And all the proceeds are going to go to the work of the Lord. So this is a great day. Well, a couple days later, he comes back into the house, and he looks unhappy, and he says, well, I got some bad news. The Lord's calf is dead. <laughs> Wait a second, the wife says, you didn't decide which calf was the Lord's. He said, yeah, I decided it was the white one now, and the white one's the one that died. The Lord's calf is dead. What is it that holds us back from sacrificial giving? Well, it is a matter of faith, ultimately. Do we have faith that God will provide? Or are we putting our faith in wrong things? Is our identity, like the scribes, their identity was bound up in in people's accolades and in money and in the things of this world. That was their security. So that's what they were after. That's what they were living after. That's what their religion was all about, was getting the accolades and the respect and the wealth from people. They were invested in the things of this world. And sometimes... Our faith is misplaced. Our identity, our securities in the things of this world. And if that's the case, then it's going to be hard to be sacrificial in our giving because we're going to have to keep up. We're going to have to keep up with the Joneses. We're going to have to keep up with the neighbors. It's going to be harder to, to, to kind of tighten the belt and, and get rid of some of the luxury items because really our identity and our security is bound up in these things. So it is a matter ultimately of faith in God and trust in him. Sometimes we don't give sacrificially because we grow complacent. I think this is a problem that that I have, frankly. I intend to do well in this area of life, but I just don't do it. I just grow complacent. This story is meant to kind of shake us up out of our complacency and to have us examine what we're doing with what God has given to us. You know, there's a lot of good news in this church when it comes to giving in this parish. God has done great things through the people of this parish, and there's been evidence of genuine faith as people give to the Lord's work here. I'd like to share a couple things with you. Um, one is that a month or so ago, our heaters went out in the rectory, heater and air conditioning units, two of them. It's a big, big house. There are actually three total units, heating and air, and two of them went out. And so we didn't budget for that as a church. And as a vestry, we're thinking, where's this going to come from? Somebody got wind of it. Somebody heard what happened, and they donated the money to pay for those heating and cooling units. That happens quite a bit, quite regularly here. 
Uh, a, a few months ago, also, there was somebody in the parish who struggled uh, with medical bills, and, and people heard about that, and they took it upon themselves to, to get a little collection to help defray the expenses of this person's medical bills. God's people taking care of one another. And then just in general, it's quite amazing that a church our size, relatively small church, is able to meet our budget regularly, annually. Things are oftentimes tight, and I'm reminded as I read this story of the, these widows that I need to have faith in God that he's going to provide. But yet God seems to provide every year, year after year. And not only so that we can meet expenses, but pay the mortgage on our property. So we have seen God's hand at work in this way. And it's evidence that God's people here respond. And they give generously and sacrificially. And there are challenges, of course, that lie ahead. But God has been good and faithful. We trust him to continue to do that work among us. There's one other, motiva- there's one other thing I want to point out here as I close. And then a story, and then we'll be done. But the motivation for giving is not for the Christian. It shouldn't be guilt or legalism. It should be gratitude. It should be gratitude. We read in Hebrews that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life to pay for our sins. Jesus here is uplifting a widow who gave everything, and then just a few weeks after this, he's going to give everything for us. He's going to die on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God. He gave everything. And so out of gratitude... Christ we give to his work and we want other people to know what Christ has done for them we want other people to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ so that's that's the primary motivation let me let me close with the story I, I heard uh, as I was studying uh, this week I came across the story of a little girl in 18 in the 1880s in Philadelphia a little girl was standing outside of a church and the church was crowded it was a small church it was so crowded, in fact, that the pastor, imagine this happening today, the pastor had to give tickets out to people in advance so that they could get into the church. <laughs> and she wanted to go to Sunday school. So she's standing outside of the church, outside of the gate, and wondering if she's going to be able to get in. The minister of that church in Philadelphia was a name, man named Dr. Conwell. And he saw this little girl, and he picks her up, and he, and he talks about this in his sermon. You can read this in a sermon called The History of 57 Cents by Dr. Conwell. You can go online and look at this. But he talks about in that sermon, he picked her up, he remembers this little girl wrapping her arms around his neck, and he marched her into the hall and set her in the classroom, and and she was able to enjoy Sunday school. But then a couple years later, um, her parents contacted Dr. Conwell and said, uh, our little girl, her name was Hattie, um, Hattie Wyatt, is sick. And uh, we don't know if she's going to make it. Would you come and pray? He prayed for her. He felt that unless God did a miracle, she wasn't going to be around and she was going to go to glory. And that's what happened. She died. He takes her funeral. And at the funeral, the parents give her, give him a little purse with 57 cents in it. And it was the money that she had collected. She had collected this money because she wanted the church to grow. She wanted other children to be able to go to Sunday school and a bigger Sunday school. And so the pastor takes this bag of money into the pulpit and he says, we have our first gift, our first offering for a new church. That, of course, motivated the people as he told the story. He shared what she had done. And he auctioned this off. He turned it into $250. That money grew. They were able to purchase property. They were able to purchase another building, a bigger church, 
a church that eventually seated thousands of people. A little society grew up in this church called the, uh, the Hattie May Wyatt Might Society. And it was a group of, of people in the church that didn't have a lot of money, but they were so inspired by this little girl's example that they began to raise money for the growth of the church, a new Sunday school building, a college that eventually turned into, get this, Temple University. True story. It all started with 57 cents and a little girl who said, I don't have much. I'm going to give what I have to the work of the Lord. You know, at our call, we don't know what God's going to do in terms of the future. That's an amazing story. But we're just called to be faithful here and now and give the future over to him. To be sacrificial, to give faithfully, to give proportionally to what he's given to us and to know that everything counts and he'll bless it for his glory. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word and your challenge and your encouragement to us in this area of life. Will you help us to grow as more faithful disciples? Thank you, Lord, for those who, who are giving, not just financially here, but uh, in terms of time and ministry. We, we want it all to be an offering to you. And we want to do, do it in faith. Lord, we fail at this, and we thank you, God, that when we fail, and we're not always giving for the right reasons or not as we ought to give, that the blood of Christ covers us and that his sacrifice pays for all of our sin and all of our failures. And so we want to just respond in, in faith in light of that grace in this area of our life. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.